Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, and along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum. And today it is our first uh, Monday show, going to the Monday-Thursday schedule. Uh, we are recording on Monday afternoon uh, about 5 o'clock, so I'm hoping to have this out by about 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, obviously games will be playing today. There are four more game fours on the slate today, uh, which we're super excited about. So we're not going to talk about previewing the game fours too much, uh, just because we know it's going to be out of date pretty quick as much as talk about the relevant stuff we've seen in every series and just what, you know, you can kind of predict going forward, not just for game four, but, but beyond that, um, so let's start with a couple of the series, maybe that, uh, well, I guess let's do the ones that are in game four today. So we'll, we'll go through quickly the four series that have played through three games right now. Uh, and the first one I want to get to actually is the Golden Knights and Jets. The Golden Knights took a 2-1 lead on Saturday in uh, double overtime. The Jets stormed back from, I think it was 4-1 down to tie the game 4-4. Uh, Winnipeg was going crazy, but the Golden Knights pull it out 5-4 in double overtime. The biggest thing I wanted to break down from this series, though, Chase, was Josh Morrissey is unfortunately out of the entire series, uh, and that is a huge blow for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that freaking sucks, especially when they're already in kind of a bad spot against a really good team. It's like a just things keep piling up, even though they played better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, this was a series uh, I had actually picked Winnipeg in seven. Um just because I wasn't sure about how healthy Mark Stone was going to look. Uh, Jack Eichel's looked really, he had a really tough first game, but he, I thought he looked really good in game two and pretty good in game three as well. So that hasn't been a concern, but. Um, Question. Yeah, like, yep. You, so you watch game three, right? Uh, yeah, most of it. Okay. So I was watching it, but it was at like a restaurant stuff. So not perfectly. When we got home, we were watching overtime and it said Eichel was three for four on draws. Are they not using Eichel at center? Uh, I don't know if he's taking the face-offs. Okay, are they just doing the old flip them on the draw itself kind of thing? I think so. I haven't actually noticed him to be fair. Like, he's listed as center, but if I'm not mistaken, I think Marchessault takes face-offs as well. Uh, Off the top top of my head. Um, But yeah, so maybe that's what they're doing, because I honestly didn't even... Didn't even really clue into that because I know he was playing center, but I wasn't really paying attention to. I mean, I gotta be honest, I never pay attention to faceoffs. It might be might be one of the most overrated things in the sport of hockey, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting thing. I'm gonna try and keep an eye on for tonight for sure, as well as we go on. I know uh, Michael Amadio is listed as a center on Cap Friendly as well, and he was playing left wing a little bit with uh, Jack Eichel, which is funny enough to think about. But that'd be. It would be pretty tough to be Jack Eichel if Michael Amadio is taking the draws for you. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I have no idea if that's like something he's good at, if it's handed. I have no idea what's going on there. But um, Yeah, I know the Leafs used to love doing the, the handed this thing. That was one of Babcock's big, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody's yep. like, oh, Babcock's figured this out because he uses lefties on their strong side and righties on their strong side or whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. I, I don't know. Seems like it a seems... lot of effort for like a two percent edge, but or yeah, exactly. Two but... is t- way too large of a number. Like orders of magnitude too big, but you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, this should be interesting to see how this uh, series continues. Morrissey really didn't play much of Game Three. They got hurt pretty early on, took one shift, and, and then went off. So uh, it's going to be on guys like um, 
Dylan DeMello to step up and Neil Pionk, who Pionk really had a tough year this year. Um, so it'll be interesting. Nate Schmidt's another guy who's who's going to get more ice time because of this. And um, uh, I believe it was Samberg who caused the turnover um, that led to the Vegas goal. I thought it was more bad luck than anything else, just kind of hitting a skate and going right out front like that. But still, it's going to be definitely uh, Logan Stanley probably going to draw into the lineup, which, I, again, I just don't think is a, a huge positive. So they're really going to need Hellebuck to stand on his head. Which is entirely possible. But, yeah, it's not like the Winnipeg Jets have a ton of defensive depth there. So lose, they're, like, uniquely suited to not be able to handle losing Morrissey. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I still think it should be relatively close. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I'm too low on this Vegas team. Their their offense just doesn't really like. It doesn't feel as scary as it did even a year or two. And even though they missed the playoffs last year, the team always felt scary to me. It just doesn't feel that intimidating right now. Yeah. I think I overrate them on priors a little bit. They're like a 52% XG team, which is which is good, but not like amazing. Like, I don't know. I think you're right to not be nearly as scared of them as you used to be. Yeah. And then like all it takes is Mark Stone looking like 28-year-old or 27-year-old Mark Stone versus 29, 30-year-old Mark Stone. And suddenly maybe I feel a lot better about this team. But like right now, Daily Faceoff has their lines. This is Mike Amadio, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marcheseau. Brett Howden, Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone. Like, that's not a great top six by any means. No, I mean, there's two names that just do not belong there, and I don't think there's enough star power to uh, to compensate for that. Yeah, the third line's Riley Smith, William Carlson, Phil Kessel, which is fine, and then Barbashev, Nicholas Waugh, and Keegan Colser, which, again, is, is fine, but it's not like that bottom six is... I mean, I like Riley Smith and William Carlson on third line. It's pretty gross, but... It's not like it's so gross that it overwhelms the top six like it used to do. And then even on the blue line, Alec Martinez, Alex Petrangelo, Braden McNabb, Shea Theodore, Nicholas Hag, Zach Whitecloud, even Shea Theodore and Petrangelo aren't what they were three years ago. No, not. Theodore's still good. They're, oh, yeah. Uh, and Pet- same as Pet- even Pet- like Petrangelo bounced back this year too, but. Yeah, but he's not winning Norris's or anything. No, ex- exactly. And like even Theodore, I think we would have both comfortably had him in our top. 10 defensemen a couple years ago. I don't think he's quite there now. Yeah, I think we had we had many a conversation about how he's like the most underrated defender in the league. And I mean, he's still great, but yeah, the that ship has sailed. Yeah, exactly. So I think this will still be a close series, but there's uh, no sugarcoating that Josh Morrissey is a gigantic loss for the Jets. Um, you know, just one of the guy, one of the few teams yeah, that definitely – you know, every team is going to hurt losing their number one defenseman, but this is a team that is uniquely in position to really struggle, I think, from it. 100%, especially because, I mean, it's not like Morrissey was a defensive presence either, but, like, I feel like there could be a non-linearity since so many of the Jets' important forwards are absolutely fucking horrible defensively. Yeah, and, like, yeah, he was just such an important guy for moving that puck as well and, like, creating offense for them throughout this year, so yeah, it'll be exactly. interesting to see how that affects things. Um, let's stay at West. The other series, two, one Colorado. This series is, I don't want to toot my own horn. This is kind of going exactly how I thought it would, uh, give the Kraken some credit. They're fighting, but, and you know, they, they get on the board all three games. They've scored super early on Colorado, but it's just the star power from Colorado that has taken over every single game. And it's the reason they are up two to one, you know, like this 
could easily be a, a scenario where if Seattle had just a little bit more star power to game breaking talent, it could be two one Seattle or even three nothing Seattle. That's how well they played in a couple of the games. Instead, it's Seattle gets out to an early lead, kind of almost surprises Colorado, but then Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen, um, Nathan McKinnon just drag this team back into it and overwhelm the Seattle Kraken. Which is really too bad, yeah. Because it's t- it's tough to take moral victories from the playoffs, even though like the Kraken totally should take take that from this. Yeah, I mean, like I think everyone kind of admitted for the Kraken that this is a um, uh, icing on the cake kind of thing, right? Where they weren't expecting yeah. to be in this position, definitely going into the year, or no one expected them to be. So, yeah, like just being here is a good thing, and they're one of the few teams that, let's say, they end up losing in five or whatever, or even six. You know, like. Yeah, you can try and take some positives out of that. Now you got to build on that as well. You know, what was the the famous? I can't remember who had it on Leafs Twitter when someone had tweeted, "It's actually better. Toronto is going to be better <laughs> in the long term for losing to Washington in six than Ottawa is going to be for beating Boston in seven um, in 2017." And obviously, Ottawa went on to a, a conference final that year. And every like we know what happened with Toronto. We don't need to get to that, but. Um, yeah, like I, I do think that, but like I, I think that's more of um, an outlier than anything else. I do think that you can take things away from a playoff loss, especially for a team like Seattle. One hundred percent, especially yeah, like Maddie Beniers, guys like that. Like it's fairly, it's not actually that young of a team, but like there are important pieces that you would very much like to get this experience and everything, and just like showing that they belong, despite the fact that they don't have the star power right now that they think they'll have in the future seems like a good sign yeah and like Beniers looks really comfortable out there which i think is a, a really awesome sign for seattle like good, uh, okay. oh he's so he's he, i think he is gonna run away with the rookie of the year in a lock this year and like there's obviously other guys you could put in the mix or whatever but like he's probably already even despite that probably kind of an underrated player i would say just in terms of like i still think he's getting grouped in of like Oh yeah, he's good, but he's rookie good. It's like no, he he's like really, really good, solid. Good. Yeah, yeah. I I bet you I would definitely assume he's pretty underrated league wide. Like I didn't even know he was that good until we went to Seattle and then we were at the Kraken game and just like interacting with people. They were talking about him like he's a god. And I was like, is he really that good? Then I looked him up and yeah, he's a fantastic hockey player. Yeah, and he he's a guy who. The, the stats and eye test definitely match with him too, right? Like you, you yeah. watch him when you just watch him on your TV. He, if you go to a game, you know, that the quote unquote star test where it's like, there's just some guys who stand out and you know, they're a star. And that's kind of yeah. what he brings as well. Along with obviously you need the underlying numbers with it. And he brings those as well for a 19 year old in the NHL or 20 year old or whatever. Exactly. Which is pretty cool. Cause like I said, I expected him to be good eventually, but I didn't think he was great right now, but he very much is. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's go with East then. Uh, those are the two Western series that will be playing game four tonight. So uh, both of them are at 2-1 right now. And, you know, it's uh, all, all four series, I guess we're talking about, we are at 2-1. So it'll be interesting. I think if Colorado gets game four tonight, that'll be series over. I think it's going to go to five. Obviously, if the Kraken get, I still think Colorado will probably win in six. Um, but, you know, if the Kraken getting the game tonight would be huge for them. Uh, flip side of things. I don't know how to feel about Jets Golden Knights. I, I feel like the Jets are going to steal at least one more game here or there, but with no more, see, I could see Golden Knights winning in six. Maybe, maybe Jets get to seven, but uh, tonight's definitely a, a must win. I think for the Jets, as, as close as you can get without obviously having to be a must win. Yes, exactly. That's a good way to think about it. 
Devil's Rangers is the other series going to four. And honestly, the Devils are pretty lucky that they have actually one win in this. This has not been how I thought this series was going to go. Uh, I really thought the Devils were going to shine at five on five, use their speed to, to create all kinds of problems for the New York Rangers. And it's been the exact opposite. Like this looks like your typical, I, I think we overrate young versus old playoff veteran kind of guys too often, but this looks like your typical veteran playoff type of guy versus yeah, a young but- uh, inexperienced team. The Devils just show up and absolutely cannot hang. Yeah, exactly. Like the Devils look so good all year, and now they show up in the playoffs. It's like, I mean, I assume in terms of like importance, weighted ice time, they're the youngest team in the playoffs, and they just absolutely cannot hang. It's kind of sad to watch, actually. Yeah, and like, but you know, and, and what's weird is, and why I still don't buy the narrative. I, I think it's more, it's less. Um, playoff inexperience if you will and just not playing as good as they probably should because it's not like this team is lacking guys with nhl experience like andre palat has won has been to three straight cup finals right thomas tatar was in a cup final with the uh canadians and you know has made a couple playoff runs with other teams um you know if i'm not mistaken as well uh vegas he was on the one year obviously when they went to the cup finals so He's been on, or maybe it was the year after they went to the final, but Tatar's been on a couple teams that have had playoff runs as well. Dougie Hamilton's on this team. You know, John Marino was with the Penguins as well. Like, there's just, you go to Ryan Graves, was with the Avalanche. There's, there's a, a handful of names that have been on playoff teams, and Timo Meyer has been to a conference final. Like, so to me, I don't buy the narrative as much as just the Devils are not playing up to their capability, and, like, they're uh, Akeed Schmidt, uh, or sorry, Akira Schmidt, uh, stole a game for them in game three, to be quite honest. Then they won it in overtime. And that's the beauty of the playoffs is now they can start fresh again. They steal one more game at Madden Square Garden. Hey, it's a 2-2 series. You're all tied up again. You're looking great. How hilarious is it that they're calling on Akira Schmidt? Like when their backs are against the wall in the playoffs, the, who on paper should be their third string goalie. Like that's, I was that's wondering. That's to turn to. I didn't realize he had a 922 in the regular season in 18 games this year. Like he played better than I thought. But yeah, I was shocked when it wasn't Blackwood going in. Yeah, I was too. I didn't pay close enough attention apparently because he played almost as many games as Blackwood did in the regular season and he was way better in said game. So I shouldn't have been surprised that he went in, but I was. Yep, I uh, I'm totally with you there. So, um but yeah, that that's been honestly like a shocking series. I I really I really thought that um, it was going to be a case of the Devils just look way better at five on five and and the Rangers, whose power play has been unreal. Chris Kreider's got five goals already for the Rangers. He has been a man on a mission, dude. Um, but I really have been surprised with just how good the entire Rangers team has. That quote-unquote kid line has been their best line, in my opinion. Um, Kako, Lafreniere, and Cheetel all lead the Rangers at five on five, Corsi four. Um, and, and honestly... Uh, I should say they're the only three that actually have a positive Corsi four percentage, but um, I think some of that might be score effects as well, just with how quick the Rangers have gotten ahead in some of these games. Yeah, I could see something like that. Cause if you're, if you're leading the whole time, it's going to be really, really punishing. And I've never actually run this, but I have a theory that score effects are probably more extreme in the playoffs. Yeah. I would assume like it's special, a team has a one or even a spe- especially when they have a two goal lead, they're like, we absolutely do not need to pad our stats. It's quote anything for the win or whatever. Yeah. Well, and also like score effects are mostly a function of the better team 
laying off the gas, but like in, and that's going to be score effects in the regular season, which the same method will be used in the playoffs is based on an average, but like the team you're laying off against once you enter the playoffs is no longer an average team too. It's a good team. So when you Mm -hmm. lay off, you're just going to get killed even more. Right. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely fair. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Patrick Kane's look better. than I thought he would as well. Um, you know, he's sitting at about 51% expected goals rate, which again, it's, that's 1.53 to 1.45 in five on five. It's not like three game, uh, rates. You can really take that much from, but, uh, that's both one him, league average shot. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. But both him and Tarasenko have looked, um, more in place than I thought maybe they would have at five on. Like I really thought Tarasenko and, um, Panarin looked good together. So that's been, I think at least encouraging if you were, uh, a Rangers fan is that they they look solid and then on the blue line like Adam Fox just looks as good as ever just wheeling around out there that's no surprise to anyone yeah Adam Fox is kind of just a god at this point mm-hmm. yep so um yeah again I think this one's not over either but I think if New Jersey drops game four tonight they're going to be just naturally in some trouble I, I think it's going to be hard to take three of four against Shesterkin you know which has been That's, the other thing is Shesterkin hasn't even really stolen a game yet. No, it hasn't been a great playoffs for any of the elite goalies, and maybe this is the availability bias that the main goalie I've paid attention to is Vasilevsky, who's kind of been filled in, but like, I think Shesterkin's been like a god, has he? No, like, uh, I'm just looking... He's been um, good, but yeah, he hasn't been bad. Like he let two goals in on twenty-eight shots in that overtime loss, um, but then they won five-one the, the game before, in which he only had twenty-four shots against, um, and they won five-one in game one as well, which he had twenty-eight shots against. So, like, it, yeah. it's not like like the Rangers like, have been playing much better in front of them, that's for sure. But yeah, he's been playing like, good. Hellebuck's been lit up. Ottinger got lit up last night or a couple nights ago, like. Yeah, Ottinger, yeah. I would still say, has been really, really good. Um, I haven't watched a ton of that. I'm just going purely scoreboard watching. That there. double overtime game, he made 48 or 45 uh, stops. Bill Gustafson was just as good at the other end, which is something yeah, I want to get to. Or some, some too, yeah, right? Yeah, he faced 53 shots and then got pulled the next game, which is what I don't understand. They lose the game. They said their, their plan was always to put in Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury goes in. Not all the gals are his fault, but they lose 7-3 in game two and, and just kind of look like crap. It's like, hmm, maybe you shouldn't have pulled the guy who made a 51-save performance in double overtime for you for a guy who's 39 and didn't even look that good for most of this year. Yeah, that's like a impressively poor decision. Yeah, and then, shocker, Gustafson comes back in. It's obviously not all Gustafson, but the Wild win 5-1, um, and Gustafson makes 24 stops, so... Um, yeah, Oncher got let up five goals on 24 shots, I think, that night as well. So that was the one where he got lit up. Actually, four goals on 24. There was an empty netter. But, yeah, awesome. he got lit up the one game and then looked pretty good the other couple games. Um, that's another interesting series where Dallas wins one yesterday that uh, they dominated that game and really, really needed to. Because, again, they're another one where they fall down in a hole three to one. It's just, it's so hard to win three or four games, no matter who you are. Right. Yeah. The second you put yourself against the ropes like that, you're always just one good goaltending performance from being done, which fucking blows, especially yep. when you're playing a good goalie. 
Yeah, that and one hundred percent. And um, you know, it's funny. I say they dominated. The score was three two. It just the shots against. Um, honestly, like Minnesota, I played them more than I thought. The Minnesota shot them thirty four to twenty four. I just kind of felt like Dallas had to lead the entire game, and it never really felt in danger. Um, but that's probably because so they went up two nothing, and then let one up, and then scored again, and then immediately let one up. But like. I don't know. Like, well, I, maybe I'm not giving Minnesota enough uh, credit there. That Dallas definitely did not dominate. Ottinger kept them or played much better. I'm even giving him credit for. I think, but uh, definitely a must-needed win to pull that two-two. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, so we kind of skipped the series. Obviously, that's going into Game Four tonight, and that would be the Maple Leafs and Lightning. Obviously, we spent a ton of time talking about the this series and just Game One, but. Um, the Maple Leafs, they do exactly what I said they were going to do. Battle right back. Not only do they win game two in dominating fashion, but they also win game three in overtime um, in what people are calling, quote, a gritty game. <laughs> um, me and you were laughing. Put it. <laughs> me and you were laughing about this uh, off air yesterday about how many people were like, oh, see, they didn't win those type of games in year past. And, and by that type of game, they mean the one they absolutely had no <laughs> business winning. You know, in, were- in years Go ahead. Yeah. I just going along with it. Yeah. They're too busy playing well to, uh, to get filled in and win anyways. That's, that's a bad thing. Apparently in in years past, they won the games they were supposed to and lost a couple games that they were supposed to win as well versus yeah. Winning a game. They had no business. And obviously again, you take them all in the playoff, but it's, I don't know. It's quite the entertaining narrative to see. I thought they got pretty thoroughly outplayed in game three, to be honest. Like I, I didn't, uh, yes. I wasn't encouraged for long stretches of that game. They, most of the second and third period, they looked just blanked offensively, I think is they the way I would put awful. it. And it scared me how well an injured headman looked. He was insane. Eh? So I, I wrote, I wrote about uh, Morgan Riley actually, because um, he's looked really, really strong Play in the series more. in my opinion. Yep. Exactly. You know, like he rightfully takes a lot of shit. Uh, He's always been good in the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I was like. For a team that fan base supposedly only cares about the playoffs, he sure takes a lot of shit for somebody who's consistently amazing in the playoffs. Like every single year, feels like his point totals never jump off the page. So I feel like people maybe don't give enough credit, but like everyone also acknowledges how bad some of his partners were for the first four years of this new core, and it's like. Everyone kind of admits they're like, oh yeah, this shouldn't be surprising, but like it's nice to see just because of how bad he was this year. Yes, yeah, because this year specifically, he was, <laughs> it was not his year. But yeah, playoffs come around. Morgan Riley's back, and to be fair, that's when they need him. So, yep. But yeah, so I, I wrote about that. You can check it out last word on hockey.com. But um, yeah, the other thing I was thinking about writing about was just how dominant Victor Hedman looked for a guy they weren't even sure was going to play game three and he just eats up minutes and looks so good while doing it. So that's something I'm going to be keeping my eye on in game four tonight as well. And if he makes an impact, you can probably expect an article about it. But uh, the other name I had actually kept my eye on was Matthew nice. I've really, really liked how he, he looked since he's drawn in the lineup. Yeah. I don't want people to like overhype him because I feel like that could get unfair to the kid, but he's looked very, very good. Like a great middle six player. This is the thing. I think he fits perfectly for what this Toronto need, team needs. They Obviously, you're always going to take more depth scoring, but they don't need another finesse guy or whatever. But he fits a nice guy of a nice mix of skill, but you can tell he's got a big body and likes to use it because the way he was getting in on the forecheck was so impressive to me. Yeah, absolutely. And he hasn't looked as amazing in transition as I expected because that was something I was told he was apparently a god at as prospect, but just like 
you can see the makings of a good NHL power forward are there already, which is cool for, what is he, 21? Yeah, exactly. So if, if he plays again like that tonight, like he did the past two, it's to the point where even if, when Michael Bunting's done his suspension, I don't think Nice should be taken out of the lineup. I think it'll probably be, should be one of like Sam Lafferty on that fourth should line that gets probably be out. Lafferty. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I've really liked how he's looked at. And that's, you know, obviously as someone who, yeah, I was on the, on the, um, train with you of let's pump the brakes on this guy. He's not going to be the savior for a team. And I still don't think he he has been or anything, but he looks like a nice middle six option, as you said, who can slide up on that first line left wing if needed, because he's playing with two stars or play on the second line with stars or on the third line with Ryan O'Reilly as a nice fit. Like I just, he looks like a Swiss army knife and add, that's a very valuable piece to have in the playoffs here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's been cool to see. Yeah, so this is the big game for Toronto, though. You know, obviously, people when people will be listening to this, they'll either be watching the game, probably already know the outcome. But um, you know, I, yeah, I you know, I don't fucking win tonight. <laughs> well, and so if they do, like, I, I think it's fair to say if they do win, and obviously they've been up three one, you know, on a team like Montreal before. But you know, this is kind of where you you can make your money's worth. Where you, we know how good Tampa's been coming off a loss, Vasilevsky especially. Like, I would be shocking if he's not on the top of his game tonight. I don't think he's looked particularly good this series especially in game three i thought he looked pretty awful to be honest um but yeah, yeah like I, if you can win tonight and go home to a screaming building of lease fans for game five like your foot is on the lightning throat at that point right so yes exactly and i'll just do so much to like i think the anxiety is going to creep in pretty aggressively if they lose tonight but you can silence a lot of that with a win Yep, for sure. And just, yeah, like I, I mean, again, like if Tampa wins, especially if it's a battle, like a close game and Vasilevsky posts a 48 save performance or whatever, what are you going to do? You know, like the Tampa's a good team too. So there, there absolutely yep. is a scenario where you go back to two to Toronto and you're happy. You just got the split anyways, because now it's the best two out of three. Right. So, but yeah, I think it's more, even more about the way, which is just, this sounds crazy to say about a team who's seventh year in a row or whatever in the playoffs, but even more about the win, I think it's about showing that, you know, just having the series lead is not enough because that yep. has been the biggest problem with this team for four years now. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, what? Yeah. They've had the two, one lead like every time basically. Yep. Yeah. Four years in a row. I think they've been winning two, one now Yeah, is what the stat was. Yeah. And they had it once before that too. I'm pretty sure it was just the Columbus series. They didn't. Yeah. So just awesome. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll obviously, I think, talk more about that series on Thursday when we're, uh, you know, looking at, and we'll have a game four as well in hand there. So, uh, but first, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 replaces key health products in one simple scoop. AG1 combines nine health products working together as one, replacing your multivitamin, multimineral, and pre and probiotic, immunity support, and more. That means AG1 does more for your body and saves you time, money, and confusion compared to taking multiple unique products. Simply follow the link in our show description to get started today. Uh, all right, three more series to hit on quickly. This will probably be a shorter episode. You know, we're we're only at the 25-minute mark or so, but uh, I figure Mondays will be a little shorter than Thursdays just in general. Um, let's see, what other series do we want to go to first? Wanna go, let's go back at West and hit on this last Western series, and that's the Kings and Oilers, which is the series is tied uh, 2-2 now after the Oilers what looked like could have been a disaster game last night to get down three, nothing early 
fight back three goals unanswered in the second period, uh, goes to overtime, and they win it in overtime. Oilers tie the series up 2-2 with a 5-4 win. This series has been as good as I would have hoped for, and I'm absolutely loving every second of it. Yeah, this has been an absolutely fantastic series. And that's despite the fact that McDavid's kind of been invisible in 5-on-5. Yeah, he's been, like, very shockingly quiet. And I, I think LA's doing a pretty good job at targeting him for that. And we're kind of seeing Leon Dreisaitl be a benefactor of that, where Dreisaitl is just getting all kinds Eating. of looks. And he is just destroying a three-point game in game four there. Uh, I want to say he had two points as well in game three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, McDavid had two goals on the power play in that game, and Dreisaitl won assist. But, yeah, like, Dreisaitl's look has been... Edmonton's best player, but I kind of wonder if some of that's because LA is actively going out of their way to do everything they can to stop McDavid. Oh, a hundred percent is. It was like when back with like the HBK line when people were trying to unironically be like, oh yeah, Phil Kessel's actually Pittsburgh's most important player. It's like, no, that is <laughs> definitely not it. He's just massively bent. And I mean, good for him, right? All you can do is take advantage of the situation, but like <laughs> there's a reason why. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, one one thing I forgot about the Toronto State. Morgan Riley hit. Right call, wrong call, suspension, no suspension. What do you think? Real quick. I think it was the right call on a play that was kind of shitty luck. I do think- too. I, I wouldn't have argued if they gave him two minutes for boarding. Yeah, but I but don't that play I, happens so often. It's just it, that he fell into the boards. And point, yeah, point kind of put himself off. I, I would have been really that would have been a tough five to eat, I think, is the way I look at it. Yeah. Like for that to be a suspense, because then like they're just battling for a puck going into the boards. And I mean, obviously the outcome looked horrible and terrifying. And like it's great that he's okay and everything, but I don't know. That seems like a tough play to penalize the defender for. That's just a not a good precedent, I don't think. Yeah, especially, yeah. I, again, like I said, if you want to say maybe make contact a little too far away from the board, so boarding, sure, maybe you can give them two. I was totally fine with nothing. Um, but yeah, yeah I saw a bunch of people saying like five in a game is like that feels aggressive for five. Like, so. Yeah. Um, the reason I brought it up, I remembered it was because there was a controversy in LA Edmonton as well, where uh, I don't know if you saw on the overtime goal for LA in game three, the puck looked like it might've touched Filardi's stick as a high stick before it went into the, and then moved and then went into the net. Um, they couldn't find a definitive angle of if the puck actually touched the stick or not. There's a bunch of screenshots out there that look like it's right on the blade maybe, but also it might've just missed. I don't really know. I don't really have an issue with it, mostly because I didn't even know this was something you could review anyways. Yeah, I didn't either, actually. I'm finding a lot about these playoffs. Um, and honestly, and maybe let's just dive into the refing thing right now because the last two series are a little less to talk about, but there's so much complaining about the, the refing in the playoffs. <laughs> and yeah, it really has, but there's been this weird thing I've seen a lot, which is definitely again availability bias, where it's like, oh, Leafs fans. It's like, no, 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 no. Complaining about the refing has been as universal as it could possibly be this postseason. And both Edmonton and LA think the refs are out to screw them. Minnesota was complaining about Dallas power plays yesterday. Um, like, like every team is, uh, the Islanders were absolutely a pissed off with the the hurricanes game in game four i want to say it was or game three um it's the story of the first round 
Yeah, absolutely. Like it feels like, like every easily. every night someone's complaining about the graphic. Yeah. Yeah. And a new fan base is up in arms. There's debates going back and forth. Like it's absolutely the story of the round. I'm so torn on it too, because like I definitely agree that there could should, could and should probably be an overhaul, just how the game is called gen generally speaking, you know. But the other side of it is everyone always talks about oh how great uh playoff hockey is and there's no space to move and you know every check means something and everything right and the reason that is is because people are taking more infraction worthy plays so it gets to the point where either there's going to be 15 power plays a game which everyone is going to complain about or there's going to be a couple times where there's three or four plays where you go oh wow how is that not called and then a trip's going to be called and you go well why weren't the last four called and I don't think there's a good answer for it in this playoffs, to be honest. No, it's it's a shitty scenario. I I think the best answer is probably um, obviously start policing the game properly at the start <laughs> of the regular penalties. season. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and start that at the regular season so they have 82 games to adjust to it and then go, we're not going to throw the rule book out when playoff time comes. But yeah, you know the rules. We're calling them. Let's go. And someone who has no bone in any of these fights i i haven't i don't the refing has been good i don't think the refing has been worse than past years though i don't no, know if people just, just notice it more care more like I, I really don't know but like i genuinely don't think it's been as bad as people complaining about for sure but even if it is it hasn't been any worse than anything in the past couple of years yeah, I, I think with the Leaf series specifically, I don't know about the rest of the series, but like it's kind of pent up stuff. Like yeah, Tampa's and, dirty as fuck, and now well, we're going on years in a row of it. I would say, and that's two teams where you have one where I mean, me and you have talked about a bunch where I don't know how we don't know how people don't hate the Lightning more than they do because they are see like not even quietly anymore, just one of the most dirtiest, whiniest teams in the league. Oh, and yeah. then you also have the Maple Leafs. And the who, thing Keith said was so accurate. Like, they know exactly how to game the officials. The fact that that was controversial is insane. Anyone yeah. who's paid attention to Tampa Bay Lightning should know that's exactly what they do. And they're good at it and good for them, but God, don't present they're not dirty as hell. Yep, and then you got the other side of it where you have a Leafs fan base who half the fan base actively thinks it's a conspiracy to keep the biggest market of, of the <laughs> NHL yeah. out of good playoff games or something like that. Like, just yeah. absolutely. They tell you in uh, – or- Jory, my friend, was telling me about this in his sports journalism class. They're like, yeah, you should probably cheer for the Leafs because so many Canadian networks make so much money off them that, like, as someone working in the industry, you want them to win whether you care about hockey or not. I promise you that. Literally. And but despite that, everyone's like, oh, the NHL is an active bias against us with the refs that they're giving it. And then pull up just the most random stats on these refs that I found. It's like the Leafs are 0-5 and 1 in playoff games over eight years when this ref does them. It's like yeah, a team that loses in the playoffs a lot loses with this ref. That shouldn't be a surprise. Like, yeah, exactly. give me a break. Well, and the other thing, too, is have you ever read Splits Happen? No. It's a it's an NFL article basically making fun of shit like this where he just pulls out, like, ten stupid stats where it's like, this guy over his entire career never won against a team who had the third letter that was a Y or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, and he's like, oh, and 22 at that point, like 161 and four. Like, just stupid stuff like that, basically, just going through. And then you apply that to the Leafs. 
who always lose so they don't get a good playoff sample. And of course, weird stuff happens over six games in hockey. Shocking. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i not one of the people who thinks playoff hockey is perfect as it is, and there's no change that can be made. I definitely think there's missed calls all the time. Um, but also, and like, I don't want to see it all get called away, but also like, I just think if a change is going to happen, it's got to start in the regular season, not game one of playoffs. And like, obviously there, if you're going to police more in the regular season, you can enforce more in the playoffs just naturally. Right. Like, cause there's never, you're never going to call the game, the rule book, the exact same way. We, the intensity just is way higher in the playoffs that it doesn't make sense to do so. Now that doesn't mean you need to chuck the rule book out for the playoffs. Like what usually seems to happen, but this idea that like, Game 61, where both teams are just coasting to try and get one point out of things, is going to be the same intensity and called the same way as game four of the playoffs, where one team's lives is literally on the line, is insanity. It is insane. Also, side somewhat related note, the idea that the playoffs actually get policed because penalties go up is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of my life. If, like. Everyone who's watched a second knows there's like nine times as many infractions. So when penalties go up 10%, it's not proof that they're actually policing the game more. That's the thing. There's uh, people are really liking to throw the quote around. Well, actually, penalties don't go down during playoffs. Like, yeah, I know, but the amount of penalties per infraction definitely does, even though there's no way to actually like yeah, quantify just, that. Everyone's just mugging each other constantly, unlike what they do on an, in Arizona on a Tuesday night, surprisingly enough. Yep, and, like, some of this is just hockey, as much as I hate to say it, or, like, I don't even hate to say it, like, like, there's just, that's, you know, I, again, there's a line somewhere. You don't need to be, I don't want to sound like a boomer of, like, I want to see people just absolutely hanging off each other's backs or anything, but, like, you and I went and watched the OHL playoffs, Kitchener and London, round two this year, and I watched a bunch of the Spitfire games as well in round one. It was awesome seeing the two teams just absolutely throw hits back and forth and play a chippy game where it's, like, there was a lot both ways that probably could have been called, but... I was honestly more happy seeing like four power plays for each team at the end of the night. And just a lot of like five on five stuff where they're actually battling back and forth versus just being a power play fest. And the game ends seven, five or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough thing. Cause you're never going to please everyone either with that. Like everyone mm-hmm. is going to have a slightly different, you're basically just bound to piss people off. Yep. For sure. And again, like I'm not saying to the, this stuff has been perfect by any means from the refs. Like there has been, some insane missed calls, some, you know, just like, just crazy. So there was a couple hit. There was one hit on, um, oh, what game was I watching? They they called a five twice in the game. I think it was the Islanders game. And they called a five and reduced it to a two both times. And I'm like, what am I watching right now? Doing it again, yeah. Like, just, oh, yeah, it was Pulak. Uh, Ryan Pulak of the Islanders just absolutely checks uh, Jack Drury from behind, like straight in the numbers. And they say Drury kind of turned in the last second, so he's only getting two. Meanwhile, Drury had to be like helped to the room. He couldn't get up. It's like, no, he just absolutely destroyed the dude in the numbers. Like, what are we doing here? And that's with a replay. That's worse, in my opinion, than just missing a slash because it was in the corner of nine guys taking infractions at once. That's the thing, right? Especially when there's a lot of shit going on like you will miss stuff in real time there's pretty much no way around that yeah absolutely so um speaking of uh, hurricanes islander series though hurricanes up 3-1 man kind of feels like game over for the islanders right like 
maybe they steal one more, but I, I just I can't see them taking the next uh, next three. <laughs> No, that's the downside of playing uh, not to lose instead of playing to win hockey like the Islanders do. It's probably going to be really hard to go through. through yeah, more. they've been not, Sorokin has not looked near as good as I thought he would. No, that's another. Uh, speaking of elite goalies, who've just kind of, you know, it's not like he's been horrible either. But no, but he hasn't been great. I would even say like five goals on twenty nine shots. Um, he's been outplayed by. Right. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, they've been equally played, I would say. Yeah, which is not um, good if you're the Islanders and you only have one distinctly good, like, elite player at their position. Yeah, four goals on 36 shots, and then two goals on 30. So, yeah, he hasn't been bad by any means, but, like, um, Ranta, I'd say, has been about 90 five percent 90% 95% as good as him and when you're an Islanders team that is about 60% as good as the uh Carolina team across from you your goaltender only playing 6% better is not going to do it no it will not so um yeah I don't know that one that one kind of feels wrapped up to me and same with Bruins Panthers the Bruins are like almost just toying with it. Bergeron hasn't played yet in this series. There was talk about if Allmark's going to be out for a game or two. Uh, Krejci missed a game four, and it just doesn't matter. This Bruins team just keeps on winning. It's gross. Yeah, I don't know what they did. Because I saw, like, they're in the group chat. They're like, oh, the Bruins are such a deep team. I mean, they are, but they're not, like... I. They're not that deep for a team that good, if that makes sense. Like, when all healthy, they're very deep, but they're not so deep that it's like they should just be easily replacing Bergeron and Krejci. Yeah, like, I don't know. I look at their center depth without Bergeron, and I go, that's pretty bad for a team that wants to win anything. Like, not even just passable. Granted, then you look at their left wing depth, and Taylor Hall's just wheeling around on the third line, loving his life. It's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty gross. But yeah, like, the fact that, they're one Bergeron injury away from having zero distinctly good centers. I don't know. I just, I, I, they confuse me that, and then they don't even miss him. He's like yeah, the best defensive player of all time. And yeah, no, they're like, no, beat. Pavel Zaka go burr. Like, it's fine. Yeah. I I'm laughed like, so hard watching that game with fucking Pavel Zach as the first line center on a team that just broke regular season records. That hurt my mind. Yep. Charlie Coyle, Pavel Zaka, Trent Frederick, Thomas Nosek <laughs> down the middle right now. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. No, it, it just it doesn't. And that's the craziest part. And granted, Olmark's played really good as well. Like they let up 43 shots the other night and won. They won 6 2. So some of that might have been score effects. But uh, yeah, the pa- I was going to say, as the Panthers, did they let Alex Lyon play a game too long? And then Bobrovsky looked like crap anyway. So yeah, um, they. Panthers are in a tough spot there, no matter what they do. Yeah, their goaltending just let them down. I never even thought that, despite the injuries, like, I didn't think the Panthers played that bad. And apparently Duclair was injured. People thought he was healthy scratched, which, like, was going to be a choice. Ekblad was injured as well. So, like, the Panthers have been dealing dealing with it on their own end as well. But, yeah, it's just a case of, like, it's hilarious where Boston's like, yeah, we just might not play half our players, and we're going to be totally fine. Like, we're not worried about this one bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't matter. They feel like another one that I think Bergeron, there's rumors he might play in game five. If that is the case, I think this one gets closed out in five to get a nice long break until round two. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. So overall, though, the series has been pretty good. Obviously, tonight will be a big difference maker where, you know, obviously four teams could go up three to one, four more teams, I should say, or 
we could have, you know, six series that are tied two two and uh, two that are at three one after after four games. So obviously a, a big split here, but um, no sweeps in the first round, which uh, pretty rare, I would say. Like I usually get one, I think. Yeah, usually I feel like usually there's at least one. Yeah, but um, to be fair, like, like I think it was even more common than zero. Yeah, I would agree. Like, but we went into this year and kind of. Like what? What were you predicting as a sweep? You know, I think most people had if there was going to be one Boston and um, Boston and Florida, Florida or Seattle and Colorado. Seattle, Colorado really seemed like the one because Florida, Florida didn't really necessarily deserve to get swept as much as Boston's just like amazing. So it seemed like Florida should always win one at least. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then yeah, I agree. Like I, I could have saw, and then then I had Seattle getting swept, but as soon as. Grubauer didn't look like complete crap for a game. That was all Seattle needed to be like, oh, well, we'll take advantage of this for one and couldn't do it for yeah. any more, but, you know. Yeah, but at least they're scrappy enough to get one. Exactly. So, yeah, again, there'll be a lot more that gets determined in a couple hours here, so that'll be exciting. I hope everyone enjoys the games. I think that's a good wrap-up, though, and uh, we'll be back on uh, probably recording Wednesday at you on Thursday for everyone listening to this. So a couple more games obviously be in the books. We'll talk about all those games fours that are happening tonight. Uh, then we thank you all so much for listening. As I mentioned, I have a piece out on the least lightning series on uh, Morgan Riley. Go check that out. And I'll probably have a couple more pieces out this week. So check that all out at last word on hockey.com. You can also find me at NHL send stuff on Twitter, chase on Twitter at CM hockey 66 and the action network.com as well as the Substack. Thank you everyone so much for listening. And we will talk to you all later this week. 